You don't know that. You Don't Know Flat, a podcast full of stories about retro gaming, retro computing, video games, arcade games, and technology from a guy who was there and still is. My name is Rob O'Hara, but for the next 30 minutes, you can call me Flat. Episode 210, Documentaries, Part 1. Greetings and salutations, listeners, and welcome to another episode of You Don't Know Flack. Today is October 17th, which means Halloween is just a couple of weeks away. And I am your host, Rob Flack O'Hara. On today's episode of You Don't Know Flack, we will be talking about documentaries. But before I load up my list of some of my favorite documentaries, we have to load this week's show notes on my trusty Commodore 64 disk drive, which, as much as I love... Is not very fast. So while my notes are loading up, we'll have a few minutes to chat on this week's loading time. Loading time. Loading time. Loading time. Welcome back to another episode of You Don't Know Flack. Uh, at the top of the loading time news here, I'd like to shout out all my current uh, social media links. Uh, I have youtube.com forward slash Sprite Castle which is where this and all the video episodes of You Don't Know Flack can be found. Uh, confusingly enough, the episodes of Sprite Castle can be found at youtube.com forward slash Amigos Retro Gaming. So that's where you want to go if you want to see video episodes of Sprite Castle along with my gameplay videos and uh, some other stuff. So just go to Amigos Retro Gaming on YouTube and look for the Sprite Castle playlist. You'll be able to find those if you want to. Watch my shows live, my game streams, and all that stuff when they happen. You want to go to Twitch TV forward slash Rob O'Hara. And um, I always feel like a uh, 14-year-old kid when I say click that subscribe button. Uh, not even subscribe. I think subscribe is the one uh, that takes money. Uh, I don't care about that. I just want you to click the follow one. That way you'll get notifications whenever I stream. Because sometimes I stream at odd times. Uh, I try to be pretty consistent on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock Central, but uh, I may pop up here and there throughout the week, depending on uh, what's going on. And finally, if you want to see all the episodes of the podcast, you want all these links, you want everything, there's only one link that you need to remember, and that is podcast.robohara.com. So if you only remember one, remember that one. If you remember none, I don't know what to tell you. It's <laughs> bad advice. <laughs> Um, I don't have a whole lot of news. I don't have a lot of feedback from uh, the last episode, which was about Qbert. Um, the only news that's going on in my life at the moment is that my uh, wife and daughter have gone on a family trip, a girl's trip, along with uh, my mother-in-law and my sister-in-law to Hawaii. So they are on a six-day trip to Hawaii. They were going to take a road trip to uh, New Mexico but because airline tickets are so cheap right now, it was actually cheaper for them to go to Hawaii than it was going to be for them to drive to New Mexico and stay in hotels and stuff like that. So uh, my son uh, moved out last summer. He is living in an apartment, going to college. And my daughter and my wife 
are in Hawaii, which means I am home alone for six days. Um, I don't, but I, I should tell you that almost all of this episode is uh, unscripted. I didn't write a lot of notes. Uh, I was in the, I knew I needed to record, but I didn't uh, want to put a whole lot of upfront time in writing things down. So a lot of what I'll be saying on this episode is off the cuff. But I used to have a friend who uh, was the same age as me who lived by himself. And then uh, my dad lives by himself. And uh, the difference between those two people, I think, is uh, I think my dad, uh, well, you know, when my parents separated, uh, by definition, my dad (laughs) ended up living alone. But I think my dad, the difference between those two people I was talking about is that my dad enjoys being alone. He likes uh, the solitude. He likes reading. He likes uh, staying up as late as he wants or getting up at what time and and eating what he wants and doing what he wants. So I think he really enjoys it. Why? Well, uh, my friend uh, just you know never uh, ended up really dating anyone seriously or or uh, you know having a girlfriend or moving in. And so I think he would like to uh, live with somebody, but things uh, just didn't work out. And so. Uh, it's, it's interesting to me how quickly, uh, your routine gets thrown off by all of a sudden being in a home all alone. You know, today is day three and I ended up going to uh, dollar general and buying a whole bunch of, uh, snacks and, uh, I was out of milk and I uh, was trying to figure out where things were in the store and just because, you know, I needed to do some grocery shopping and, I've watched a lot of football over the weekend, which I don't typically watch a lot of football, but uh, it was on and I've sat, you know, I haven't really done that much and it's really just thrown my entire schedule off. And so I'm not at that point where being by myself, like I don't have a lot of plans, like I didn't make a lot of plans. And uh, so, you know, I've been doing some little things around the house, some little house projects just to kind of keep busy and to keep things moving, but it, it's, um, it's just kind of a strange event. I don't know what it would be like to just live by myself. I don't know that if, uh, if I would enjoy that necessarily, I kind of, uh, you know, I think it's the kind of the jokey cliche. Everybody's like, Oh, finally you get the house to yourself and that's fun for a day or two. But after that, you know, I'm kind of like, all right, what do I do now? (laughs) So, uh, I guess if I lived by myself full time, I would, uh, be, more prepared to entertain myself and do different things. But it's not like I could go on a, you know, a giant road trip and not, not be here when everybody comes home. So I don't know. I'm biding my time. I'm having a good time. I've, uh, normally I watch, I try to watch a movie a day or a movie every other day. Um, a lot of times I watch a movie while I'm multitasking or something. And, uh, I've watched a lot of movies <laughs> over the past couple of days. I think I watched like three movies yesterday. So, uh, I'm having a good time. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm certainly getting by and, and having a good time. Probably not as good as everybody's having in Hawaii, but what are you going to do? So, uh, but that's, uh, that's what I've been up to, uh, <laughs> for the past couple of days and thinking about things to podcast about. And, uh, I did have someone mention this topic to me. Uh, one of my Patreon supporters said, why don't you do a episode about your favorite documentaries? And uh, I've been thinking about it for the past two or three days and making a list. And we'll get into that here shortly. But 
uh, yeah. So good, good ways to uh, keep your brain busy. I need to keep my body busy is the problem. Uh, I don't have a problem keeping my brain busy. I'd be perfectly content writing articles and surfing the web and watching TV and, and watching documentaries. But um, I would also not have a problem with sitting on the couch 24 hours a day. And that's the part uh, that would, you know, when other people are here, that doesn't happen. And when I'm by myself, all of a sudden it does happen. So, uh, but anyway, that's, uh, it's kind of been uh, down, uh, not, not downer, but uh, low key is probably a better word. Low key past couple of days and a couple more days until everybody gets home. So, uh, but anyway, good times here. Uh, if you would like to support this podcast, head over to patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara. Um, sorry, I'm going to scroll through here to get to all my notes. I'm sitting here rambling. I'm not following uh, uh, all the stuff that I have written down. Uh, if you go to patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara, uh, you will find out all of the uh, different support levels and all the things you will get access to, which includes behind the scenes blog posts, weekly rando rob videos there will be a new one of those tomorrow access to the amigos retro gaming discord server and all kinds of other additional perks so uh, if you want to i've recently lost a couple of patreon supporters that i'm very um i won't say uh upset's not the right word but i always get nervous that i'm not doing things that that people want to hear or people want to see and so um uh that makes me want to go on the uh get back out there and do advertising for Patreon more. So this is my, my call to arms <laughs> for Patreon supporters. I need two people to fill those slots. I'm very nervous about it. So, uh, but anyway, I know that uh, Patreon's not for everybody. And uh, um, if uh, you want to support the show, you don't want to sign up to Patreon. The two best things you can do for me is to share links to the show on social media. If you do, you can tag me or whatever. And, and uh, that's, uh, I absolutely love seeing that. And the other thing you can do is uh, like and review. I used to say on iTunes, but anywhere where you listen to the podcast, uh, that is greatly appreciated. So uh, if you have feedback about this or any episode, and I'll be talking more about this because I really do want some feedback on this episode, you can email me directly at Rob O'Hara at RobOHara.com. Join the conversation on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Robcast. Follow me on Twitter at Commodore. Come chat with me on the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord server or leave a message on my podcast hotline at 405-486-YDKF. And with that, the show notes have loaded. So let's get started talking about this week's episode, Documentaries. As I was making my list of my favorite documentaries and, and the uh, person who suggested this, and I'm not mentioning their name because I think that they're, they're kind of, uh, they like their anonymity. So I'm not calling them out, but, uh, but this supporter said, you know, why don't you talk about make a list of your top 10 favorite documentaries or whatever. And anytime someone tells me to make a list of my top 10, anything, I know it's going to be my top 30. <laughs> Some things I'm really bad because there's so many things that I love and I adore. Uh, and so I knew this was going to be a challenge. And of course I didn't get it down to 10, uh, but I did get it down basically to a list of 10 documentaries that I wanted to talk about. And then I have some honorable mentions that are similar to those documentaries. And the reason I'm calling this documentaries part one 
is because I may do a part two, probably not for the next episode, but uh, maybe in another month or so, I may revisit this topic and, and talk about 10 more documentaries that I like. Um, I try to think about when did I start watching documentaries and what got me into documentaries because documentaries are one of my favorite things to watch. I absolutely love uh, nonfiction and my love of documentaries really started with books. I was just uh, helped uh, my friend Amigo Aaron, uh, who is a co-host of the Amigos podcast, uh, was doing a show um, about Halloween kind of things and mysterious things. And we just did a, uh, an episode about dreams and nightmares. And on that episode, uh, he, uh, boat, uh, who's the other co-host of the amigos wasn't able to be there. And so he asked me if I'd kind of stay on and, and help out. And so, uh, it was really fun. And it made me think of all those books that I used to read as a kid. I joked on that uh, show, that the librarian in my elementary school used to call me Agent 001 instead of 007 because the 001 section in the library in the Dewey Decimal section was where all the books on UFOs and Bigfoot and Loch Ness Monster, all that stuff was in the uh, .001s. That's why she called me uh, Agent 001. And so I remember reading all those books as a kid. I had all those uh, I had this Reader's Digest book. It was actually my, my dad's, and I would borrow it. It was called Strange Stories, Amazing Facts, and it had all these weird ghost stories and monster stories that were all supposedly true. So that's really kind of where it started was those kind of books um, about the unknown, about mysteries and things like that. And then, like a lot of kids who were into that, I started watching um, – in search of that series. And I would watch all those shows that they had about, um, uh, you know, Bigfoot or, or, um, you know, UFO kind of specials, like those kind of things. So that's really where that interest in documentaries started for me. And then as I got older, uh, you know, the, the topics kind of changed. I got away from just, uh, paranormal and UFO and that kind of stuff and got into, more uh, worldly, I suppose, uh, documentaries. So that's kind of where my interest in documentaries began. And so on this show, I picked 10 documentaries that are all very different. They all cover very different topics. And I'm going to go through those. Now, I haven't had time to rewatch every one of these uh, 10 documentaries over the past week or so, or over the past uh, three or four days that I've been planning this, but, uh, uh, but I have skimmed back through a couple of them just to refresh my memory and, and, uh, one or two of them, I ended up watching the entire thing all over again, uh, just because, uh, I'm, they're so good. Some of these are really, really good, uh, films. And so, uh, but I want you to, as I'm talking, going through this list, I want you to make mental lists in your mind, if you've seen these documentaries, I would love feedback about that or what, you know, what you thought of them, if you liked them or didn't like them or things that you liked or didn't like about them. And uh, I'm telling you right now that there are many, many documentaries that I absolutely love that are not on this list. I had to just kind of narrow this down. I wouldn't even say this is my top 10 documentaries. I would say this is 10 documentaries that I love. And so if you have other documentaries that you love, I know there are going to be some that you're thinking of right now that won't be on this list. I would love to hear those uh, come in from you. And those will, some of those will probably end up on uh, the part two uh, 
uh, episode that will inevitably come later on down the line. So anyway, let's get started talking about uh, these top 10 uh, documentaries that I pulled out. And again, if you're uh, watching this on YouTube, I'll be showing you the covers of the documentaries as we go along as well. The first documentary that I picked out is called Electric Boogaloo, The Wild Untold Story of Canon Films. This was released in 2014. Uh, I believe it is online, available streaming, but it's also available uh, DVD and Blu-ray. Uh, this is basically the story of uh, two Israeli cousins. Uh, it's uh, Menahem, I think is how you say that, Golan and Yoram Globus. But if you've ever seen uh, Golan Globus Productions uh, in uh, association with Canon Films, they're, they're the two guys that created Canon Films. And so this documentary talks about all the, the their very early career and how they made movies uh, in Israel. And then how they uh, bridged the gap and they came to the United States and they started making films. And man, if you have ever seen that uh, Canon logo where the two things come together and uh, when I see that logo, I think, yep, Enter the Ninja or, uh, you know, any of those ninja movies or, gosh, um, you know, Chuck Norris movies or Breakin' and Breakin' 2, which obviously Breakin' 2, Electric Boogaloo, the topic of this documentary is a callback to that. Uh, there are so many of those movies. Some of them are absolutely adorable. Some of them are terrible. And this really just runs through uh, telling the stories, you know, some of the production stories and, uh, how, you know, how these guys, uh, um, you know, basically pulled all this off. And then what was the downfall of Canon Films, which if I remember was basically them losing sight of what they were. I mean, they were a company that put out low-budget kooky films. You know, uh, Revenge of the Ninja uh, as a personal favorite of mine, but probably not, you know, not intended to compete with Hollywood blockbuster films. But uh, they decided that they did want to compete with, with Hollywood blockbuster films, and they made movies like Over the Top, and they got Sylvester Stallone to be in the movie, and they they did uh, one of the Death Wish movies, you know, where they got Charles Bronson, and they, um, you know, were just upping. They did Superman Four, which was a huge flop and uh, cost them a fortune. So it was those types of movies where they didn't get big returns on their investment that was ultimately the downfall of Canon. Now, uh, I believe it, uh, at least Golan, uh, I believe that's what it was refuse to uh, be interviewed or participate directly in the documentary. And that is because they decided to make their own documentary <laughs> and put it out. So they put out a competing documentary called the go-go boys, the inside story of Canon films. Now my personal favorite is electric boogaloo, the wild untold story of Canon films. Um, I think it's, it's, it's um, a much more complete look at what Canon Films was. But the the other one I mentioned, the Go-Go Boys, that's not bad either. So if you're into Canon, those kind of uh, goofy films or whatever, both of those are, uh, uh, are a great watch. I do highly recommend uh, checking those out. The only one thing I will give it as a warning, uh, a possible warning for uh, Electric Boogaloo, the wild and untold story of Canon Films, is that there's a lot of nudity <laughs> because there was a lot of nudity in those films and they included it in the documentary, which was a real letdown for me because I wanted to watch this with my kids. And there's just 
too many shots in this world <laughs> that are uh, unshareable with the, uh, I mean, I could probably, I wouldn't mind if my kids watched it at this point, but I wouldn't watch it with them. If you know what I mean? I mean, they're old enough now to see it, but uh, not with dad in the room. So that, that's the only um, uh, bummer about this film. Uh, for number two, uh, I'm a huge fan of uh, true crime and uh, horror-related documentaries, and I was a fan of this genre long before the current wave of true crime podcasts and true crime, all these shows that are on TV now. It seems like whenever I turn on cable, there's about five different uh, murder shows. <laughs> this is what my wife calls them, murder shows. Um, but um, uh, as a kid... I was uh, infatuated, I suppose is the, probably the right word, with uh, the Amityville Horror. I had a babysitter that actually, when I was a young child, uh, she would watch several kids in the neighborhood, and she would read to us from the Amityville Horror, which would just scare the bejesus out of us. I mean, it was, uh, I mean, in retrospect, I don't think you're allowed to do that to <laughs> small children, is read them the Amityville Horror. Uh, but there have been a ton of Amityville horror-related documentaries. There's one that's on A&E that I saw uh, earlier this year, uh, and I need to see if it's going to be on again. I haven't been able to find it online, but I can probably record it off TV or something, uh, called uh, the Amityville Horror House, which was really good, and it talked. It was more about the uh, original murders that took place in the house before and, and so on and so forth. And there's been a lot of different uh, documentaries about the Amityville horror that supposedly tell uh, the behind the scenes uh, uh, things that, that actually went on. So what most people understand about the, and I haven't mentioned the documentary yet. I'm getting to that, but what most people understand about the story is uh, there's multiple layers. Like, first of all, there's the story of uh, the Lutzes, right? And that's the family that moved into the Amityville house, said that it was haunted, blah, 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 and then were driven out, you know, in only 28 days. And they were they were driven out of the house. Um, and then they, they um, put out this book and they did their little promo tour and whatever. And, and they said they were so reluctant, but they, anyway, they did decide. Uh, and there's a lot of other things that happened, okay? But what came out later, and this would be the second layer, is that they made all of this up uh, and that they met with the author of the book, Jay Ansel, and uh, and an uh, attorney. And the four of them, there, and this is a story that's out there that's online, the four of them split a case of wine and sat around in, in uh, either the attorney or Jay Ansel's office and came up with the whole story uh and this was uh for you know a way to basically make money off of this house right that had been previously there actually were if you don't know uh murders that took place in the amityville whorehouse that like the real story uh was a, a young man who murdered his family he murdered six members of his family while they were sleeping they shot them all in the house and so um so you know, the first level of the story is that it was a terrible haunted house, get out, all that stuff. But then the second part of the story is that, oh, okay, well, that that didn't really happen, that these people made it up, right? The second documentary on my list is called My Amityville Horror, and it is a documentary that focuses on the current 
day, life, and times of Daniel Lutz. Now, Daniel Lutz is the boy in the movie and the book who was 10 years old. He was the oldest child of the three Lutz children. And uh, this documentary is, uh, this is one of the ones that I ended up rewatching this week while I was doing this because I just wanted to, you know, refresh it. I ended up watching the whole thing again. Uh, this documentary is troubling. I mean, it, it affects you because essentially he says that everything, more or less everything that was in the book and more really did happen. He is a hundred percent convinced that all those things did happen. And he tells these stories that the parents told on television. There's a story, for example, where, um, Daniel walked to his bedroom window, put his hands on the windowsill, and the windowsill fell down and smashed his hands. And it smashed his hands so hard that the bones were were completely flattened. It was just the top skin on the bottom skin. That's all there was of his fingers. And his mother and his father and his father had a guest over, and these three people ran over and could not lift the window. There was something holding the window down and and the kids' hands were completely smashed. And they had told this story on television. And they said that uh, when they went back downstairs, they got ice for his hands and they were getting ready to take him to the hospital. And all of a sudden they looked and his hands were completely undamaged and that they had just returned back to the way it was and the pain disappeared. So in this documentary, he repeats that story, but he takes it a step further and says that his hands swelled up to the size of a child's baseball gloves. And then a, the door opened and a spirit walked in and they watched this ghostly spirit enter the kitchen and walk through and pass through his hands. And then the spirit sat down and when he looked at his hands, they had been repaired. They had, they had gone back to their original state. So all the things that uh, the Lutz's, Later, more or less, they never officially said that it was fake. Uh, but the things that came out that they had maybe stretched the truth, like the flies and all this. Daniel Lutz, as an adult, says all those things happen. Uh, on top of that, he says that uh, he watched his father move things, levitate objects with his mind, and uh, that he dabbled in the occult and that his father had supernatural powers. I mean, I don't know what to think of it. And I mean, it comes up really, this is a tragedy. I mean, this documentary is a tragedy because as, as Daniel Lutz talks to, uh, he talks to a psychiatrist in the, in the documentary. He talks to a lady who was a reporter at the time so that they had a relationship when he was a young child. And so he trusts her. Um, so he does tell some of his story and there's some other parts that come out. Uh, and there was a lot of abuse and he ran away when he was in his early teens. He tells one of the people that he ran away and lived in the desert, which is not completely believable. I don't know. I mean, I don't know a lot of 15 year old kids that could go live in the desert without any means of support or, or, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to think about this one, but it, it's, um, it, 
part of it makes you wonder if he if he has not suffered some sort of uh, mental. I mean, obviously he has had some sort of you know been under mental duress from this story and his parents' story and all that, you know. But it kind of almost leads you into this thing that like because he heard these stories so many times that now his brain remembers them as stories. And so um, it, it's really just a, kind of a tragic story, but definitely worth watching, especially if you were into the original Amityville horror like I was. Uh, and again, like I said, <clears throat> there are a lot of Amityville horror documentaries out there. Uh, there's one called The Amityville, uh, The True Story, which I believe is on the History Channel. I think that one's available on YouTube. There's another one called The Real Amityville Horror which again talks about the uh, DeFeo uh, murders. So lots of stuff out there. But this one is called My Amityville Horror and uh, definitely worth a watch. The third documentary on my list, we're going to switch it. I kind of switch it. I have some that are, you know, a little bit darker and heavy. And then I try to alternate things to, uh, to get the mood up. <clears throat> but the third one, if you're listening to this podcast, is one that you may have heard of, may have seen. Uh, it is the BBS documentary. That is the documentary that was um, made by Jason Scott. It is the documentary that goes into all stories. He interviewed tons and tons of people talking about their old BBS memories and, and BBS adventures. Um, Jason Scott, when I released Commodore, he wrote a review of Commodore. And one of the things he said was that our my book and his documentary, which came out, um, we were both, we didn't know each other, but we were both working on our projects at the same time is they're kind of like, um, diametrically opposite because his documentary interviews a bunch of people all about like one topic. And my book was the story of one person and all of his different adventures. So they're kind of the opposite, but they do uh, work well together but uh, the bbs documentary uh which i believe is available on archive.org and and uh, i think it's been split up and uploaded to youtube it has a i believe a creative commons license so that you can uh, watch it for free if you don't want to purchase the actual physical discs um but uh if you're into bbs's and uh you know retro computers and again if you're listening to my shows you probably are and you've probably already seen this but um uh, bbs documentary uh, definitely a great documentary. And for honorable mention, I have to mention Get Lamp, which is uh, Jason Scott's, um, one of his other documentaries. And Get Lamp is, of course, all about text adventures, um, which, again, if you were into old computers, you may have played and enjoyed. And even if you didn't, there's so much good information there that, uh, um, again, definitely worth a watch. So BBS documentary is number three on my list uh, with a... Um, Honorable mention going to get lamp. Uh, number four, as we swing back towards the true crime genre, <clears throat> is a excuse me, is a, a documentary that came out about three years ago, I believe. Uh, this is twenty seventeen, and this was called Charles Manson: The Final Words. Now, um, there, Charles Manson doesn't need any explanation if you. Uh, I'm sure you know, uh, even if, if you're not even into true crime or anything, you know, the basics of Charles Manson is just uh, a part of uh, American history. Um, but what this documentary 
is very, very interesting and worth a watch because one of the things, what really the big thing that this does is kind of disassembles the whole Helter Skelter thing and explains in a more rational explanation why the uh, Manson family murders took place. And without going into all the details, I mean, there were other murders that took place and there was a guy, there was a drug dealer that got murdered and they, you know, basically they painted blood on the wall and then they thought, uh, and again, this is, is theory and, and um, uh, well, let me just say this. Then when they committed the other murders, they said, oh, well, we'll tie, we'll put blood on the wall here. We'll tie those murders together. And then people will think that it was somebody else and that it wasn't anybody that knew the first guy and so on and so forth. The problem with all of the Manson family, every one of them, is that they're all kooks. <laughs> Which I shouldn't say too loud. I don't want any of them. I guess, I guess I'm pretty safe. They're going to show up at my front door today. But... uh They've changed their story so many times. And depending on the documentary, I mean, you could literally go watch stuff um, and hear them talk about Helter Skelter and members of the family saying, oh, yeah, we were just going to start a race war with Helter Skelter, you know. But then when you see something like this, it just makes so much more sense. And the the entire Helter Skelter story um, about uh, Charles Manson wanting to start a race war and thinking that... Uh, uh, black people weren't smart enough or whatever. I think that was his story to start it. So he was going to start the war and then, um, you know, kind of help them start a race war. And then they were going to hide in the desert until it was over. And I mean, that makes for good entertainment and that makes for a great story to present to a jury uh, as, as a motive that people can understand or whatever. But um, when you watch this documentary, the final words, Charles Manson, the final words, they present the happenings in such a different narrative that makes so much sense. Um, and it's not really like a conspiracy theory. It's just a different way of looking at the same events and how they're related and stuff. And, uh, so anyway, if you're, if you're interested at all in the Manson family murders, uh, this is a, a very interesting documentary. And the reason it's called The Final Words is that there's uh, also audio interviews with Charles Manson while he was in prison uh, shortly before he died. And so him explaining and backing up a lot of their theories on this. So uh, definitely uh, uh, worth watching. For honorable mention, now I've watched dozens of Charles Manson and Manson family murder uh, documentaries and read books and all that. It was a big thing of mine for a while. Uh, but there's a documentary called The Six Degrees of Helter Skelter. I don't know if it got a uh, legitimate, well, I mean, not legitimate, but uh, it definitely wasn't a, a big release. It's an independent release, but I'm sure if you poke around in the right places, you can find it. It's The Six Degrees of Helter Skelter. Um, I'm not recommending it because uh, that I necessarily believe everything that's in it, but I'm recommending it because it is uh, bat poo-poo insane. <laughs> it is a crazy documentary that just poses all kinds of weird theories 
and this person who knew this person and lots of different stuff. And it is just wacko, but it's interesting the way that it's put together. And it's, uh, you know, when the, the normal narrative has been told so many times that it was, it's refreshing to see this. I actually got this on VHS from a independent bookstore like 20 years ago. And then I ran across it again later, uh, online. <clears throat> Excuse me. My voice is going from, I guess I haven't podcasted too much, uh, lately and, uh, doing this, I'm doing this towards the end of the night. <clears throat> so forgive me. Um, but uh, Six Degrees of Elder Skelter, yeah, is uh, a total wacky, crazy look at the Manson murders and uh, worth a watch. Uh, I've been, I forgot to, uh, so excited about talking, I haven't been flipping through my slides. But uh, yeah, that one again is uh, uh, the one that I recommended. Uh, number four is Charles Manson, uh, The Final Words. Uh, so the fifth documentary on my list is called Bones Brigade, an autobiography. And this is a documentary about skateboarding from the guys that were in uh, Pal Peralta, the Bones Brigade. So this is really um, <clears throat> the beginning of the wave of skateboarding that began in the 1980s. So you've got... Um, Steve Caballero, you've got, um, of course, Stacy Peralta, you've got uh, Lance Mountain, uh, you've got, oh my gosh, uh, Neil Blender, uh, just, I mean, all the guys, Tony Alva, they're all the guys that are, they're there at the beginning uh, of skateboarding. So this is a history of um, the Bones Brigade, which was, uh, again, the uh, Powell and Peralta um, they had a series of skateboarding videos and they had their, their group of skaters, but more than that, it's just that era of skateboarding. It's so, so good. Um, definitely worth a watch if you're into skateboarding. Now under honorable mention, I just started listing skateboard documentaries that I've seen and that I loved. Uh, all this mayhem is one that you may not have seen. It is the story of Ben and Taz Pappas. They were, uh, Australian skateboarders who came over to the u.s um a lot of these documentaries end in tragedy this one has some tragic moments uh, they get involved in drugs uh there's some you know ultimately uh one of them dies um the other one goes to jail and, and i mean it's just a really um unfortunate story it is it is uh, i've i've read online i've seen it referred to as a greek tragedy um, one of the things is that these guys are such, um, uh, they just like to fight <laughs> and they like to be standoffish and they were really good skaters, but a lot of it about their attitude and things like that really kept them from becoming household names. And then there's a whole, uh, thing, and you can find this online outside of this documentary, um, that, um, Taz Pappas, um, it's a whole thing. I think I can't remember now if it's a 720 or the 900. I think it's a 900, but uh, how he was trying over and over to pull the 900 and then he had done a 900, but it wasn't at an event and this and that, and that he really feels like uh, United States or U.S. media purposefully were blocking this out until Tony Hawk pulled the 900 in a competition. And so 
he has this huge beef <laughs> with Tony Hawk over it. And Tony Hawk the whole time is like, yeah, I just don't answer him because I don't, I don't believe in that, that theory, you know, but, um, but that's in the documentary and that has been a, a long going beef in the skateboard world world as uh, well. But all this mayhem is on my list. Dogtown and the Z boys, which is another documentary about uh, some of those same guys, Alva's and that some of the other guys, um, about the formation of um, uh, really just organized skateboarding in the late 70s, early 80s, and the skate parks and stuff like that. Uh, Stoked, which is the rise and fall of Gator. That's a 2002 documentary. Uh, if you haven't seen that, uh, it is very similar to Rising Sun, which is the legend of skateboarder Christian Hosoy. So Gator uh, was a skater for uh, Vision Streetwear. Hosoy uh was a professional skater i mean they were they were at the time they were two of the biggest skaters and both of these documentaries are about their downfall um gator uh essentially took one of his friends and, and uh out into the desert and murdered them and he is currently in jail he got like 30 years for murder hosoy went to jail for 10 years for crystal meth so <clears throat> um you know hosoy's has more of a happy ending than Gators does, but uh, they're both good documentaries. I love a good skateboarding documentary. And uh, speaking of skateboarding documentaries, in uh, there's a Tony Hawk documentary that is not out yet. It's been shot. It's being edited. So it may be out before the end of the year or early the beginning of next year. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that uh, as well love me love me some skateboarding but uh if you're gonna see one of those check out bones brigade an autobiography great uh great documentary number six on my list is plastic galaxy the story of star wars toys uh, i was born in 73 star wars came out in 77 and then the wave of toys that we know all the action figures the play sets, the vehicles, those all started coming out in 78. So the Christmas of 78 is when I got my TIE Fighter and X-Wing Fighter and Land Speeder. And I got all the figures that were out. That's basically was my Christmas was <laughs> all the Star Wars toys that were out at that time, which I still have all those toys. So as a lot of people know, um, Kenner was the ones who won the right, but they were not ready to produce the amount of toys. Nobody knew that Star Wars was going to be the blockbuster that it became. And so Plastic Galaxy is uh, that whole story. And it shows how they made figures and they uh, interview these guys that design play sets and stuff. I mean, it's the whole story. They go to the office where it all happened. It's really, really good if you're into star wars toys at all uh it, it is a great documentary um under honorable mention i wanted to mention the toys that made us which i believe is a netflix series i think there's been uh eight episodes so far and there may be more than that now but every episode of toys that made us is a separate line of toys there's one about uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. There's one about He-Man toys. There is a Star Wars episode. Uh, I think there's a Barbie episode. So uh, lots of, uh, you know, good toy lines. And uh, again, I am a lover of information. So like I wasn't big into He-Man as a kid. I didn't have He-Man toys, but that episode was so good. I just learned so much, you know, and 
And um, uh, anyway, I can go down the rabbit hole on all those. But uh, Toys That Made Us, again, it's uh, free on Netflix if you have Netflix. Uh, and so that uh, is uh, worth a watch. But Plastic Galaxy is uh, number six on my list. Again, if you're into uh, a Star Wars and Star Wars toys, I want to hear that whole story from the guys that were there. That's that's uh, definitely worth a watch. Uh, number seven on my list is called Best Worst Movie. Now, I am a sucker for uh, documentaries about the making of movies, the behind the scenes kind of stuff. Now, I used to get on DVDs. A lot of times you would get a featurette that would show, uh, you know, maybe a 15 minute thing or 20 minute thing about the making of a movie. But uh, sometimes you'll get an entire second movie, which is the story about, uh, you know, a movie that was made. And uh, so Best Worst Movie is about the making of Troll 2. Now, Troll 2, I don't know if this is still true, but at one point, Troll 2 was the lowest rated movie on Rotten Tomatoes. I believe it had a zero approval rating. Uh, Troll 2, if you have not seen it, I have shown it to my friends on Bad Movie Night. It's a really goofy and terrible movie about um, uh, a family that goes on vacation and uh, they go to a, a different town, uh, which is um, Nilbog, which is the word goblin backwards. So that's one of the trivia facts uh, about this movie is that in uh, Troll 2, there are no trolls. There are goblins. Um, but they are taking humans and turning them basically into plant food so that the goblins could eat them. And uh, it's a really stupid movie, but uh, fun to watch, you know. Um, but... If you're like me, you're like, how did such a terrible movie ever get made? I do listen to the podcast, How Did This Get Made? Um, and so this tells that whole story. It tells the story of this, uh, um, I believe he's an Italian director who didn't really speak English. And he wrote all the dialogue and he would get really mad if anybody changed the dialogue. So that's why the dialogue is all weird because it's, you know, translated from Italian and it's not... Uh, exactly uh proper english always and um <clears throat> you know the uh uh the lead of the movie is a dentist <laughs> who got this part and there's another guy who got a part who was basically like uh, a guy that was being held in a uh, mental asylum but he got a weekend pass and came and, and tried out for the movie and they hired him and so he shot all his scenes over a weekend and then went back to the asylum. I mean, it's just a crazy, crazy, crazy story about a crazy movie. And so if you want to see the behind the scenes of how such a crazy movie got made, um, Best Worst Movie is a great documentary. I threw in a couple of uh, honorable mentions. One is Life After Flash, which is a 2007, uh, 2017 documentary and um i think his name is sam jones i hope i got that right but he's the guy that played flash gordon in the 1980 movie flash gordon and so this is like his life since then and it's about going to conventions and doing autographs and and just what his life is like and what it's like to you know be an actor to be in one movie and have it blow up and then that be it you know and, and so it's almost 40 years later and 
and how has that affected his life? Um, in a way, it reminded me of Val, which I think I talked about on a documentary, which is the Val Kilmer documentary. But I didn't put Val on my list just because there's so much in there that is provably not true. And uh, that for documentary, that's just kind of a turnoff for me. Uh, but Life After Flash is a good recommendation. And also Life After the Navigator, which is a 2020 film uh, about the making of the movie Flight of the Navigator. But it starts off with the uh, the kid who starred in uh, Flight of the Navigator uh, who has been incarcerated. And so when you watch Life After the Navigator, you'll find out about his life what he did to end up in jail. Um, and of course, uh, you know, he does eventually get out during the documentary and, and we get to find out more about his life. And, and um, so it's a little bit about child actors and growing up and what life is like for them. And, but there's also a lot of stuff about the movie flight of the navigator. Like there's some stuff about the special effects and, and uh, stuff like that. So um, I had actually not seen flight of the navigator before I saw life after the navigator so i saw the documentary first and then went and watched fly to the navigator so um, even if you're not a fan of the movie the original movie you might enjoy the documentary but uh leaving back to number seven number seven was best worst movie uh the making of troll 2 movie number eight and this is a dark one on my list uh, this is a movie called the bridge um, the Bridge is a documentary where a guy, a filmmaker, uh, discovered how many people each year uh, end their lives by going to the Golden Gate Bridge and jumping off. And apparently uh, many other bridges have, uh, I believe they call them suicide barricades, so it prevents people from climbing to the edge and getting access to a point where they could leap off the side of the bridge. But the Golden Gate Bridge does not have that. And uh, it is, is easily, the sides are easily accessible and it's high up enough that um, most leaps from the bridge uh, are unfortunately lethal. And so what this documentary filmmaker did was set up a camera uh, on the shore where he could see the uh, the length of the bridge and he had it running 24 hours a day for an entire year and he captures multiple uh suicides multiple people who leap off the bridge but then what he did was he would find out who those people were and he goes and interviews their family about their life and stuff now uh, i have read that he does not tell the families that he has footage of their loved ones leaping off the bridge, which would be kind of cruel. Um, but they do find out later, you know, when the film is released and, and they're basically okay with it because uh, the interviews with the family is them sharing the stories about their loved ones lives, you know, but it's just a really uh, gut wrenching look at, uh, you know, depression and some of these people's stories and, um, it's very eerie. It's not a lighthearted view, you know, and, and I'm probably making it sound, uh, you know, not, not giving it the, uh, the, the right cadence maybe perhaps. I mean, it's, it's, um, uh, 
because it's not quite as as morbid as it sounds, but uh, it's very sad. It's a really sad documentary, but also it's one that that there's a lot of points in there that make you think. So that is uh, the bridge from 2006. And honorable mention uh, for this is another documentary called Dark Days. And this is a, I, I say it's older, it's from 2000. Um, but uh, Dark Days is a documentary in which a filmmaker enters below the subways of New York City and to the, uh, there's layers of subways, subway tracks underneath the active subways that have long been abandoned and have been uh, uh, inhabited or are inhabited by, uh, I, I, don't, I don't think homeless is uh, the right term anymore, so I don't, I don't say that um, uh, to, to be offensive. Houseless, I think, it may be uh, the correct term. Um, but it is people that have basically relocated to these abandoned subway lines. And, um, you know, the guy interviews them and, and follows them and finds out what their life is like. And it's very eerie and um, kind of sad, but also just interesting in a, in a strange way. And, and in, those are the kind of documentaries uh, I really, well, I just like all different kinds of documentaries, but I really love finding out about a topic that I didn't know anything about. Like I didn't know there's a, I think this is based on a, a, a newspaper article or investigative journalist. There was an article uh, called the mole people. Uh, these people that just live, you know, down in the darkness of these, these tunnels and they come up and, um, Basically, they get a lot of stuff from trash. They get, and then they bring things down and they sell it to each other. And uh, it's really interesting. Um, and uh, it's also very dangerous. You know, it's a, uh, not a, a light, light uh, lifestyle to take on. But um, Dark Days is uh, the name of that documentary. And uh, it's very, very interesting. I, I just, again, it's one of those things I didn't know anything about. And uh, it was very interesting. But. Uh, but the one that I had on my list was the bridge. Uh, and again, it's another one that is not, um, necessarily a happy documentary, but it is, um, uh, informative and, uh, and touching. So <laughs> changing gears again, number nine on my list is a documentary called dumb, which is the story of big brother magazine. Now, uh, if you are, uh, even if you're not a fan of Jackass, I think you will still enjoy this documentary. But um, Jackass is um, basically two completely separate groups that were combined together. Um, and one of those groups uh, on one side was uh, Bam Margera and his friends. So that's Ryan Dunn. Uh, that's, um, I think Aaron McGee. No, I think Aaron McGee is with that big brother, but, uh, um, but, uh, Chris Rabb. And, and so some of those guys, and they were, uh, so Bam Margera was off doing his own thing. He didn't know anything about uh, big brother, uh, but they were, uh, you know, in Westchester and they were doing their own thing. Okay. Uh, they were releasing videos called the CKY videos. If you want to see, and actually, a lot of the uh, clips from the CKY videos were chopped up um, <clears throat> and used on the first season of Jackass. Um, but on the other side of the fence, my goodness, <clears throat> excuse me, um, was Big Brother Magazine, which was a skateboard 
magazine and uh, Johnny Knoxville worked for that magazine. Wee Man worked for the magazine. And basically everybody else that I didn't mention so far that's from Jackass uh, was part of the magazine. And um, so this is all about like how they got together. Um, Rick Kosick is a, a photojournalist and Johnny Knoxville is a writer and an editor and and all these guys Pontius wrote for it. And uh, it's about how they put out this skateboard magazine and then you may know this part of the story, um, but they wrote an article, uh, Johnny Knoxville wrote an article about um, different types of uh, self-defense weapons and um, what it would be like if they were each used on him. So like, you know, getting uh, sprayed in the face with with mace is one of the things that was on the list. And, this and, that. and then the last one um, is uh, him getting shot. <laughs> Uh, while wearing a bulletproof vest, which he ended up um, uh, doing himself, I believe. And so, um, but when he, after he wrote the article, he was like, well, well, we need to do all these things. And so they did it and they filmed it. And so that kind of becomes uh, the spark that leads to Jackass. And so, but this is about all those guys and how they came together the first time uh and then eventually, you know, what happens to the magazine? The magazine ended up getting bought by Larry Flint. Um, and um, so they did that for a while. But then they started getting these offers from uh, MTV and all that. And so uh, the rest is history. But it's a really, really, really good uh, documentary that that really shows how all those guys. And, you know, it, this isn't a, a jackass documentary. And there are jackass documentaries. But uh, it is um, pre-jackass. So it's all these guys before uh, jackass. And I do think that it, it um, crosses over into a jackass territory, but, uh, but this is dumb. The story of big brother magazine is 2017. Uh, if you like this style, I would also recommend class action part. Now I think there's two or three different documentaries. There's one on YouTube. There's a, uh, this official one, there's uh, multiple documentaries about class action park. Uh, and there was also a movie starring Johnny Knoxville, about class action park um and so this has been in the news over the past couple of years so you've probably heard of it but class action park was this uh theme park uh that was uh you know had some water rides had some you know go-kart rides had all this but it was infamous for people getting hurt basically there was really uh, a complete lack of government supervision or not government uh well there was uh <laughs> uh well, there was a lack of adult supervision, but also lack of regulations and safety uh, features, you know. And, and uh, so there's lots of stories of kids getting hurt. There's this the infamous story of them trying to build a water slide that has a 360 degree loop in it um, that after they built it, they sent a mannequin down and it came out ripped apart in different parts and stuff. So, um, and you know, being from the Midwest, I had never heard about this park until a couple of years ago, but uh uh, so if you like those types of stories or whatever, Class Action Park is also a good documentary uh, to check out. Finally, the last one on my list is the Rockefeller Explosion. Now, this is a documentary that came out in 2008. It talks all about the band, the Rockefeller Explosion, which you probably know as the house band for Showbiz Pizza. Um, it really tells that story. It tells the whole showbiz pizza, um, Chuck E. Cheese story and the animatronics and all that stuff. 
but it has uh, um, a lot of footage and interviews with Aaron Fetcher, who was the guy who created, who invented the Rocket Fire Explosion band, created the animatronics, did all the voices, recorded all the music uh, for that. He was essentially the Rocket Fire Explosion band. Um, so a lot of footage from him and then a lot of footage from our uh, interviews and stuff with Chris Thrash, who is a gentleman who lives in Arkansas, who owns uh, a complete set of the Rock and Fire Explosion. And uh, he's a, a unique dude. He's a funny guy. And uh, he works at a, a roller skating rink in this backwoods Arkansas town. And, and uh, uh, it's really, really heartfelt. It's a good documentary. Uh, and will really take you back to those days of the Rock and Fire Explosion. So if you love that stuff, um, you should check out this this uh, documentary. And uh, for honorable mention, I'm going to throw out two other documentaries that are made by the same guy. This movie, The Rock and Fire Explosion, was made, uh, directed by Brett Whitcomb. And Brett Whitcomb made a documentary in 2012 about GLOW, The Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling, which is well worth a watch. It's a really good documentary. Uh, and then in 2020, he did a documentary called Jasper Mall. And if you haven't seen Jasper Mall, I think I talked about it on one of my uh, podcasts. But Jasper Mall is about this uh, mall in Alabama that is dying. And this documents the process of a large mall that is slowly dying through the eyes of this guy who is, uh, you know, the head manager and the head janitor and, you know, whatever else. He's the handyman. And uh, these people that go there and the close the shops that are closing and shops that are moving out. And it's, uh, you know, if you grew, it's just heartbreaking if you grew up in the 80s hanging out at the mall um, and and uh, you get to watch it firsthand and, and uh, uh, all these uh, um, uh, interviews with people that are there and stuff. By the way, the reason I'm stammering is... Uh, I'm recording this late at night and I have the uh, lights in my room scheduled to turn off at 11 o'clock and it just turned to 11 and all my lights turned out. So if you're watching the video and saw the uh, video change, that's what happened. Um, but anyway, uh, so all of Brett Whitcomb's documentaries are fantastic. Uh, I put Rocket Fire Explosion on the list, but uh, uh, the Glow documentary, The Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling and Jasper Mall uh, are also great documentaries and uh, definitely worth a watch. If you have feedback about this or any episode of the show, you can email me directly at Rob O'Hara at RobOHara.com. Join the conversation on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Robcast. Follow me on Twitter at Commodore. Come chat with me on the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord or leave a message on my podcast hotline at 405-486-YDKF. And I really do want to hear from you on this episode. If you have favorite documentaries that weren't on this list or you've seen some of these documentaries and want to make a comment, shoot me that email. Uh, send me a message on the Discord. I'd love to have it and talk about those on the next episode of the podcast. If you'd like to find out more about supporting the show, visit patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara for more details. 
All of my patrons get behind-the-scenes blog posts, weekly rando rob videos, access to the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord server, and other additional perks. The audio version of You Don't Know Flag is available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and the RSS feed at podcast.robohara.com. Video versions of the show are available at youtube.com forward slash SpriteCastle. To hear more podcasts from me like Sprite Castle, Cactus Flax, Throwback Reviews, and Multiple Sadness, visit podcast.robohara.com for links and information about these shows. Congratulations! If you made it this far, you now know a little bit more about Flack. We'll see you next time. <laughs>